Pastor Stacy and I are preaching a series of sermons right now that we're calling Unordinary Time. Because even though we're in the season in the Christian calendar that's called Ordinary Time, the days that we're living in are anything but ordinary. I had an unordinary experience recording my sermon a couple of weeks ago. I had a bright idea. I thought since the parable that we were reading was about the wheat and the weeds, that I would go film my sermon on the church grounds outside. And so I took my ring light stand and I took my selfie stick and out I went and you saw how it turned out. Uh, it's such a great idea, I thought, but execution of it was anything but easy. Uh, it was blazing hot in the middle of a July day. Uh, there were disc golfers out there playing who were having a lot of fun. Uh, there was a pop-up storm that happened, and I had to run back and forth from home a couple of times. Oh my gosh, are you having any times like that right now where you have a great idea or you think you've figured out a way to deal with all this and just doesn't seem to go the way you want it to? I'd even come up with the perfect ending line for my message, and gosh, by the time I got to that point, I totally bungled it and left it out. These are definitely not ordinary times that we're living in. And our scripture for this morning is a story from the Old Testament about an unordinary time had by someone named Jacob. Uh, Jacob is of the lineage of Abraham and Isaac, and the story of Jacob's life is ups and downs, highs and lows. He's born the second twin to his older brother Esau. And when he's born, from the moment he's born throughout his young life, he seems to always be trying to figure out how he can get his brother's birthright, his blessing as the firstborn. He goes through a series of schemes and tricks to try to get that and eventually to get that birthright from Esau. To the point that his relationship with his brother is so broken that he has to leave. He flees and lives in the fear and shame of how he's related with his brother. For 20 years, he stays with his uncle Laban. And, and even while he's there, he's constantly trying to one-up and outwit his uncle for possession of livestock, property, and wives. And then Jacob reaches a point in his life where he is going to try to make amends with his brother Esau. And he leaves Laban's home to go and meet his brother. And that's where we pick up with the story of Jacob in the scripture that we're going to read today. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. And this is what it says. Jacob got up during the night took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to them, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. 
The sun rose as Jacob passed Penuel limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this day because he grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. So we pick up Jacob's story as he and his family are crossing through the waters of the Jabbok River. And it's foreshadowing maybe of the story of the Israelites crossing through the waters of the Red Sea as they're leaving captivity in Egypt and heading toward the promised land. I'm reading a book about that story right now with our church's Simplified Board Exploratory team. The book's called Let Go by Matt Miofsky. He's a United Methodist pastor. I highly recommend the book to you to read. He takes the story of the Exodus and draws some wonderful parallels for the church today. But in the book, he talks about this experience of crossing through the waters of the Red Sea and into the promised and onto the promised land and through the Sinai Desert as a time of transformation and change for the people of Israel as they let go of what they've known in the past and they look forward to take hold of what God has in store for them. Not unlike Jacob crossing through the waters of the Jabbok River or you or me crossing or passing through the waters of baptism. Moving from the past to the future. And it's at that moment that Jacob has the most unordinary experience. He has a marathon wrestling match with God. Now it's unclear in the text if the individual that Jacob was wrestling with is a person or an angel or God in human form. But we definitely see as the dust settles that Jacob believes he has been face to face with God. So what do you do when God picks a fight with you? Now granted, the fight that God picked with Jacob, it's described as a wrestling match. Uh, and it's actually the only place in the Bible where this term is used, this word that's translated wrestling. And, and in the Old Testament language of Hebrew, the, the root for this word is actually vapor or dust. So, so what it's saying is that Jacob and God got dusty. They got dirty. They got down on the ground and wrestled around until daybreak. So what do you do when God picks a fight with you? What did Jacob do when God picked a fight with Jacob? When God grabbed a hold to wrestle Jacob to the ground, Jacob fought back. Now, granted, when we say that Jacob fought back, maybe that would make you think that he rejected God or refused God or opposed God. But that's really not what happened. What Jacob did is he engaged with God. He, he leaned in. He got into it. He got down into the dirt and the mess of life with God. And it says that when Jacob decided to engage God and respond to God's wrestling match, that Jacob grabbed a hold of God and wouldn't let go until God blessed him. And that's exactly what God did. And God's blessing for Jacob came in the form of changing his name. See, Jacob means 
one who follows or one who chases after. And that had been his identity his whole life. That's where he got his name, the story of when he was born. Esau was born first, and it says in the scripture that Jacob had a hold of Esau's leg as they were coming out of the womb, as they were being born. That ever since the day he was born, Jacob was always chasing after Esau's identity, trying to be who he was and live up to that other image. And Jacob spent his whole life scheming and conniving to try to get Esau's birthright from their father. And he spent his whole life after leaving Esau with his uncle Laban, doing the same kind of work to plan, to connive, to, to arrange, to, to work angles so that he could be something, be somebody, live up to some standard or expectation. He lived his whole life chasing after something, trying to be something. And in that moment of God's blessing for Jacob, in that moment when God got into the dirt and the mess of life with Jacob, God changes more than just Jacob's name. God changes Jacob's whole identity, his whole sense of who he was, of his personhood, of how he perceived himself to be and what his future would be. God changes Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. Now, oftentimes we see the name Israel, uh, that, that Hebrew name, translated or interpreted to mean prevailing with God or God prevails or God wins. But really the more accurate translation of this name is not prevailing with God, but struggling with God striving with God. In fact, that's how the Old Testament prophet Hosea talks about Jacob. In Hosea chapter 12, he says Jacob was one who struggled with God. So in this moment, God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, changes his very sense of his identity from one who is chasing after, trying to accomplish and become something to one who gets into the dirt and the mess of his life with God and with God grabs hold of him. He grabs hold of God and won't let go in anticipation of God's blessing for him. And if you read on in Jacob's story, you see that when he finally comes and is reunited with his brother Esau again, after such a long time, that their relationship is restored because of forgiveness and grace. And then to read on in his story, Jacob, we know, lives into his role, his calling to be the continuation of God's covenant that God made with Abraham and Isaac, that God would bless their descendants and make them as numerous as the stars in the sky and bless the nations through them. All of this becomes Jacob's life, his identity, his reality, when he has his name changed by God. And even the Israelites, who are his descendants and who have a nation today with that name, Israel, God's chosen people, carry on this identity. 
Oh, in the name of God, would there be peace in that nation amongst the brothers and sisters, the siblings of creation who live there now? But you know, Jacob then does a little name changing of his own. He changes the name or he gives a name to that place where he encountered God and had that wrestling match. He calls it Peniel, which means I've seen God face to face. There's, there's power in giving a place a name. There's power in changing the name of something or someone. As you know, we recently lost two giants in our faith and in our nation with the passing of C.T. Vivian and Congressman John Lewis. They died on the same day. What a sad day for us. Both of them known for their leadership in the civil rights movement and known for leading marches for voting rights in Alabama. And of course, Congressman Lewis is known for leading that march, that iconic march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. And now there is a, a renewed effort to rename that bridge after Congressman Lewis, to, to give that place a new identity, to change its name from one that belonged to a Civil War Confederate general who after the war became a Grand Dragon in the Ku Klux Klan, to change it to the name of a man who led a march across that bridge so that all of God's people could be free. To change the identity of that place, to change the name from one that represents bigotry and hatred to one that represents peace and justice. Oh God, may they change the name. And the same is true for Jacob. All of his life, his identity being wrapped up in trying to be somebody he wasn't. Trying to be the firstborn, trying to take that birthright from his brother, living in the fear and shame of what that has looked like for 20 years. Dealing on dishonestly and unfaithfully with his uncle just to try to amass for himself this presentation, this experience, this existence of who he thought he wanted to be. But as a result of his willingness to get down into the dirt and the mess of his life with God and his unwillingness to let go of God until he realized the blessing. Jacob's identity was forever changed by God. He was no longer the chaser, the schemer, trying to live up to something and manufacture an outcome for his life. Now he's the one who struggles with God, who when God grabs hold of him, he grabs hold of God and doesn't let go no matter what. And yes, the story tells us that he had a limp as a result of that encounter with God for the rest of his life. You know, Congressman Lewis had his skull fractured by the state police who confronted the peaceful protesters on that bridge that day. On that hopefully soon to be renamed bridge. You know, he never forgot that experience. I heard that the last march he led across that bridge, the commemorative march, 
He said, on this bridge, we gave a little blood for the soul of America. Don't you know he wrestled with God over his place, his role, and his identity in the struggle for civil rights? And don't you know he has left a legacy, the descendants of his struggle, thank God for him. And they're living into his legacy more and more every day. I thank God for the lives of Jacob and C.T. Vivian and John Lewis. May we live up to their example and live into the struggle. And when God grabs a hold of us, oh, church, in days like this, when God grabs a hold of us and wrestles us to the ground to deal with the dirt and the mess of our world and our lives, may we grab hold of God and not let go until God's blessing is known and experienced for us and for everyone everywhere. And hopefully we get in a little good trouble along the way. Amen.